You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. My name is Kurt Neely, and I'm delighted to be here with you this morning. I want you to know how much I appreciate our pastor, uh, Alan Dyer, and all the staff here at First Press. And I'm so grateful for this opportunity to bring this message this morning. I haven't been able to preach in the last three years, and this is a, a wonderful and really exhilarating experience for me. I hope that we'll find here the nourishment that we need from God's Word and from the words that I speak. I want to begin by talking a little bit about the history of the Bible, very little bit. Uh, I'm going to be reading today from the Gospel of Luke, uh, my favorite gospel. Uh, only my favorite, I think, because Luke's uniqueness. Uh, you realize if it hadn't been for Luke, we would not have the story of the Good Samaritan, nor would we have the story of the Prodigal Son, two of our favorite parables. At the same time, Luke has more to say about prayer, more to say about women, more to say about the Holy Spirit than any of the other gospel writers. Luke is unique because not only is he a physician and has a compassionate heart, but also because he's the only Gentile writer in the New Testament. So he has a new, unique perspective in that regard. When we read the scriptures, we often choose a, a selected passage, sometimes called a pericope of scripture, just a small segment. But there are other ways to read the scripture as well. From uh, ancient times, the time of the monastic orders, we know that people read the scriptures to pray them. It's called Lectio Divina, and it means praying the scriptures. You read the scripture until you find something that really catches your attention, and you just stop and pray about that. Other ways to read the scripture are to read a whole book at one time. Uh, that's almost unthinkable for people in our day and time. But if you sit and read the Gospel of Mark, for example, which is the shortest of the Gospels, you get a, a perspective that you don't get when you just read a few verses, as we find in most of our devotional books. The, a little bit of Bible history is that the verses and the chapters were not put into the Bible until much later than the original documents were written. It was not until uh, well into the fourth century that a rabbi decided that the uh, Jewish scriptures, which were called the Tanakh, had to be divided into chapters and verses. This carried over into the New Testament, and by the time of John Wycliffe, there were chapters and verses in the Bible. But those were not the ones that stuck. In the mid-1500s, there was the Archbishop of Canterbury, whose name was Stephen Lambert, who put it into chapters and verses as we have them today. So you have to keep that in mind when you're reading the scripture, and especially when you're coming to a scripture like the one we have for today in our message. I'm going to read from uh, Luke chapter 18 and chapter 19. In other words, I'm going to read across a chapter division. Hear now the word of God. 
As Jesus was coming near Jericho, there was a blind man sitting by the road begging. When he heard the crowd passing by, he asked, what is this? Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they were told him. He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The people in front scolded him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stopped and ordered the blind man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Sir, he answered, I want to see again. Jesus said to him, then see, your faith has made you well. At once he was able to see, and he followed Jesus, giving thanks to God. When the crowd saw it, they all praised God. Jesus went on into Jericho and was passing through there, and passing through there was a chief tax collector, one named Zacchaeus, who was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was a little man and could not see Jesus because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus, who was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to, the, to that place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. Zacchaeus hurried down and welcomed him with great joy. All the people who saw it started grumbling. This man has gone to be a guest in the home of a sinner. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Listen, sir, I will give half my belongings to the poor. And if I have, che have cheated anyone, I will pay him back four times as much. Jesus said to him, Salvation has come to this house today. For this man also is a descendant of Abraham. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. We have two men. One is a beggar outside the city gate, a man who is probably not, not very happy with his life at all. He's living his life as a beggar. He knows that other people have more than he has. And he's not really ashamed to beg because he has no sight. He has no other way to make a living. I don't know whether any of you have ever been to Jerusalem or not, or to the Holy Land, but there are beggars literally everywhere. I remember seeing a woman with a small child begging on the steps that went up to the Temple Mount. And I gave a donation to this woman. And soon, a man came out from behind a place I didn't know exactly where, and he took the money from her. She was the one who was begging for money. He was the one who was getting the money. Uh, I don't know what it was like for, for this man. The Gospel of Mark calls him Bartimaeus, the blind beggar outside of Jer Jericho. And Bartimaeus has one opportunity. He hears that Jesus is passing by. He hears the clamor of the crowd. He knows that something is important is happening. And the thing that's important is Jesus is passing by. And he is desperate. He's heard about Jesus. He knows that he has the power to heal. And so he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, he's not asking for a handout. He's asking for something much more. 
He's asking for healing from the only one he's ever met who has the possibility of healing him. Now, the way the scriptures word this, we know that he's very insistent. He cries out with a loud voice, a very loud voice. He's creating a disturbance around Jesus, the one all these people are following. And those that are ahead of the line rush up and say to him, shut up. You're being too loud. Hush. Jesus is passing by. Let Jesus by. Jesus overhears all this. And he says, I want you to bring that man to me. Now, this is a level of initiative that's almost unheard of for a rabbi to beseech someone to come to him who has been causing such a disturbance. But they bring Bartimaeus over to Jesus. And Jesus asked him what seems to be an obvious question. What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, I want my sight. He even uses the word again. I want my sight again, which implies that at one time he could see, but now he cannot. There were many eye diseases in, the, in this part of the world in that day and time. All kinds of things that could have caused his blindness. But it doesn't matter to us what that was. What we know is that this man could not see, and he wanted to approach the one who had the opportunity, he wanted the opportunity to have Jesus speak to his illness, speak to his soul, and give him what no one else could give him. And Jesus did that. Receive your sight. And the man was so overwhelmed. The Bible says that he immediately became a disciple following Jesus. That word following is key. Remember when Jesus called the fishermen? He said, come, follow me. Well, Bartimaeus followed Jesus. He became, from a blind beggar, he became a disciple of Jesus. Now, reading across the chapters, Jesus goes on into Jericho. And there's another man, another man who wants to see Jesus. He's heard about him. He's too short to see him over the crowd. And so he climbs a tree. Now, this is an important man in the, in the structure of society. He's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. His name is Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus is a derivation of the word Zechariah, one of the prophets, a very righteous man. So it means righteous one. The word Zechariah means righteous one. And so Zacchaeus has a lot to live up to, but he has not done that. He's not only a tax collector, he's the chief tax collector, probably the wealthiest man in all of Jericho. And people hate him because the chief tax collector had the privilege of setting the taxes. And of course, there were tax collectors who received those taxes. They got a cut, cut out of that, but Zacchaeus got a cut out of every collection. And so he, he was hated by the people of Jericho, even though he was the wealthiest. I don't know what Zacchaeus had on that day, but if you're the wealthiest man in Jericho, you probably have on the finest robes. So here's this comical scene of a man who is the wealthiest man in Jericho, probably wearing the finest robes up in a tree, up in a tree, trying to see Jesus. He doesn't have to wait. Jesus looks up to him and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. Zacchaeus, guess who's coming to dinner?
it's me. Jesus invites himself to this man's home. Now this is a double-edged sword. Zacchaeus, chief tax collector, he's known as the chief of sinners. And so the people grumble. Why is he going to the home of a sinner? For Zacchaeus, it is a life-changing moment. After all he's done, after all the hate he's endured, now this one, Jesus, whom he's heard about, and now probably can see that he is the Messiah, invites himself to his home. And the scripture says Zacchaeus welcomes him gladly. And Jesus goes into the home. I imagine they have a meal together. And then Zacchaeus stands up and says, I'm going to give half of everything I've got to the poor. What a thing for him to say. And then he says, if I've cheated anybody, if I've defrauded anybody, I'm going to restore to him four times what I've taken. That's what was required by Jewish law. And Zacchaeus gives it willingly. You have two people here, Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus. Can you see that they are both beggars? Can you see that they both have intense need? Um, Bartimaeus wants his sight. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. I don't think any, any, either one of them had any idea how their lives would change that day. But they did. I want to shift gears just a minute. I want you to use your imagination with me. I want you to see the last verse in this reading. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. God does not play hide and seek with us. Jesus says he came to seek and to save the lost. So here you have two people seeking Jesus and Jesus seeking them. Can you see that there's a double search going on here? Both Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus seek Jesus and Jesus seeks both of them. The level of initiative from Jesus here is remarkable. A rabbi stopping to pay attention to a beggar, a rabbi calling the most hated man in all of Jericho down from his tree, calling him off the limb and going to his home. There's a double search and there always is. Sometimes we feel like we can't find God Sometimes we feel like we don't experience the love of Jesus, but there's a double search. It's not just up to us. Jesus came for this reason. You know, when Jesus preached his sermon at Nazareth, the only sermon he ever preached at Nazareth, he came out of the wilderness and he said to his hometown people, <clears throat> today the prophet is going to be fulfilled in your presence, in your hearing. And he read from the scriptures, from Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to proclaim good news to the poor, sight for the blind, to bind up broken hearts, to give to all of those who suffer a hope and a future. And Jesus speaks these words straight from a servant poem in Isaiah. And then he closes up the script of the scroll, rolls it back up, hands it to the attendant and sits down the position of authority for a rabbi and he said today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing well we see it fulfilled here in a different town 
in Jericho, fulfilled in the life of Bartimaeus, fulfilled in the life of Zacchaeus. Using your imagination, I want you to come with me to what has been called the greatest American fairy tale. It's a story we know as the Wizard of Oz. It's the Yellow Brick Road. Elton John sings about this. The Yellow Brick Road is the path to the celestial city. It's where people are trying to go to get to what I think is called the Emerald City. They're trying to find the wizard, and it's because they all have needs. The straw man, he wants a brain. The tin man, he wants a heart. The lion, he wants his courage to be restored. And Dorothy, she just wants to get home. Four people traveling this yellow brick road together. Can you see that they all have missing parts? They all have something that is missing from their lives. A heart, a brain, courage, home. And they go to the celestial city, they go to the Emerald City, and the wizard is not able to give them what they want. There's no magic there. But they find what they need because they are traveling in company with each other. That's what the Yellow Brick Road's about. You might even say the Yellow Brick Road runs straight through the church because as I know it, everybody in this church and every church I've ever been in has something missing. One time we were repaving the parking lot at a church where I was a senior pastor. We got the pavement down and the man who was drawing the lines in the pavement came inside and said to me, preacher, how many of these places out here do you want marked as handicapped? And I said, mark them all handicapped. There's something wrong with everybody in this church. That's the truth. The Yellow Brick Road includes people like Bartimaeus, people like Zacchaeus. The Yellow Brick Road includes Dorothy, the straw man, the tin man, the cowardly lion. The Yellow Brick Road includes me. It includes you. All of us have a deficit in our lives. Oh, we may be Christians, but we all have had broken hearts. We all have had times when we needed healing. We all have had times when we needed our sight and our insight deepened. We just need to see Jesus. And when we see him, our lives will be made whole. Maybe not in this life, but certainly in the next, because the city that, to which we go, that heavenly city, is not the same as the Emerald City. It doesn't contain a wizard. It contains the risen Christ. Amen.